Hi, this is Anishka Fernandopoli. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button under my picture on dharmaseed.org or go to my website, anushkaf.org, A-N-U-S-H-K-A-F.org, and click on donate. Thanks. I appreciate your support. So in this period, we're going to do a practice of metta meditation, which is a heart practice. And so far, the instructions and the meditation we've been doing has been the practice of presence or awareness. So just noticing and knowing what is happening in your mind and body. And we've talked a little bit about the attitude of that awareness and about having a kind presence, so a sense of openness, sense of not being judgmental about what is that comes up. So you could say that that quality itself is actually the quality that is in Pali called metta, or sometimes it's called loving-kindness or kindness. Or my favorite translation of it is the force of unstoppable friendliness. So this is actually cultivating this very positive and wholesome quality of our heart. So learning what that is, that quality, and intentionally bringing that up in our heart and mind and planting the seeds for that to grow. So this is a different practice, but a complementary practice to that which we have been doing all day in the sitting and walking. The basis of the practice is of cultivating this positive, wholesome mind state. this sense of well-wishing towards ourself and towards other beings, other people, other animals. So the Dharma is the teaching about the way things are. And it's neither pessimistic nor optimistic, I would say. So it's just kind of recognizing how things are in human life or in the world, in reality. So one of the dimensions of that is that everybody finds themselves born in a certain situation You have a certain family and siblings or not, and you live in some neighborhood and your family has some wealth or not, and you have to go to school and go to work and this and that. Or not. And in the midst of all of this, basically everybody is trying to be happy. Everyone is trying to find happiness. Everyone would like to be safe and 
would like to feel healthy. Everybody would like to experience some kind of peace. And a lot of the movements in the world, the machinations of the world, are actually movements of people trying to find happiness in some way or another. So from the minute movements, as Pascal described, that movement masks dukkha, movement masks suffering of the body, to the larger movements of our search for the right apartment and job and partner and haircut and everything. But in this world in which we're seeking happiness, it is actually difficult to come by in a permanent way because everything is always changing. So maybe you get the perfect haircut, but then immediately it starts to grow out. And then it is no longer perfect very quickly. Or maybe you meet the perfect person, but then you start to get to know all the different sides of them. And there are some things that don't follow your script. Or maybe you move to the best apartment or house and then a neighbor moves in who's in a klezmer band (laughs) and practices at night. So these are just examples, but basically things are not in our control, so it's actually difficult. It's difficult for all of us. And we're constantly seeking this kind of happiness. So given this, we can actually relate to our fellow beings, human beings, and even the animal beings you can see running around trying to machinate happiness. You know. And notice, like, what is our attitude towards other living creatures? You know, what is our attitude towards those around us? A lot of the times we kind of build up a universe in which there's a couple people who we pay attention to and they're like our inner circle. And then there's some people who are kind of acquaintances, friends, kind of pay attention to them. And then most of the seven billion people in the world we ignore actually. They're kind of in this unseen realm. And then there might be some ring on the outskirts that are like the people who we don't like, who are difficult to us. So what would it be like if we actually were able to relate to all people, in fact, actually all forms of life, with a very basic sense of just understanding of these conditions of all of our lives? So actually just having a sense of kindness toward each other as kind of a baseline. Like, yeah, I understand. Life is difficult. Yeah, may you be happy. May you be well. May you be safe. 
May you be free from suffering. So very simple sentiments that actually is not costly to come up with. But actually very positive ones to cultivate in our own heart. So that our mind and the intentions of our mind and heart are very powerful things. And part of what we're paying attention to in the mindfulness practice is understanding cause and effect. So understanding the patterns of how it happens. That we relate to things in ways that seem to cause us suffering. Or what are the ways in which we relate to our bodies, to other people, to our thoughts, to life itself, actually, that are wise and that lead towards happiness and peace? And what are the ways that we relate to all of these that are not? So it's considered a very good practice to actually cultivate this sense of friendship, of well-wishing. And as you can imagine, it could be easier to do that for some than for others. There's many different ways to do this practice of cultivating metta. So what I would like to offer you tonight is actually one of primarily wishing well for yourself. So noticing your attitude to it yourself is actually very helpful and cultivating and connecting with your own deepest wish for happiness, for safety. Now for some people it's actually very easy to connect with this sense of kindness towards themselves. And then sometimes Or for some people, a lot of the time, it's actually not that easy. So whichever way you find it, the practice is actually just to continue to very patiently continue with connecting with each of these phrases of well-wishing and not worrying about how much it seems to be doing at the moment. So it's really kind of like planting seeds with each time that we connect with a phrase or an intention of well-wishing. So we'll do this actually towards our own body. So the physical body that has been hauling around all day, different postures. So the first instruction with the metta practice is to sit in a way that seems relatively comfortable to you. It's because it's difficult to do this practice if you're in pain. So this is also a practice of cultivating the collectedness of mind. So there is a certain 
coming back or like devotional aspect to it of just keeping coming back, coming back again. So you might get lost in some other strain of thought. When you notice that, you can just try to let it go and come back again. So first thing is you can sit in this relatively comfortable posture and try to connect with your heart. You can just connect with your body sitting here as well. Just relaxed and easy. can just appreciate that we're here. That you've made it through the day. And first I'd like you to bring to mind some positive quality of yourself. So this is done not in a way of arrogance or cultivating the ego, but actually just recognizing that all of us have positive qualities. So you could remember a time when you were kind or honest, or your tendency to be generous or courageous, some integrity, your patience. It doesn't have to be a huge thing. But just allowing yourself to take in and appreciate some of your own positive qualities. If your mind starts coming up with the opposite, you can dismiss them for the moment. Just focusing on the wholesome, positive qualities, which all of you have, including your interest in meditation practice and choosing to spend a weekend in this way. Which is considered very wholesome human activity, very rare and unusual thing to do. So now we'll do the practice of well-wishing towards our own body. And we'll go through noticing different parts of the body. If it's hard for you to notice anything when I say a different area, don't worry about it. You can just connect with the phrases as best you can. 
So we'll start with the head. So you can just connect with the sense of your head and your face. And then you can repeat these phrases to yourself silently, just taking each one with as much sincerity as you can. If these particular phrases don't work for you, you can also come up with ones that are more meaningful for you. But keep it very simple. So first focused on the head. May I be strong and healthy. May I be peaceful and happy. May I be safe. May I live with joy. May I be strong and healthy. May I be peaceful and happy. May I be safe. May I live with joy. You can shift your attention to your neck and your shoulders. Just noticing whatever is there. You can try to relax them. May I be strong and healthy. May I be peaceful and happy. May I be safe. May I live with ease. May I be strong and healthy. May I be peaceful and happy. May I be safe. May I live with ease. We can connect with our back, your spine, all the muscles and shoulder blades. Just feeling whatever you feel there. Appreciating the body. May I be strong and healthy. May I be peaceful and happy. May I be safe. May I live with ease. 
May I be strong and healthy. May I be peaceful and happy. May I be safe. May I live with ease. Now you can connect with the front of your body, so your whole torso, your chest, your heart, your lungs, all of your organs. So much is going on in the body, just on its own, digestion and circulation. May I be strong and healthy. May I be peaceful and happy. May I be safe. May I live with ease. May I be strong and healthy. May I be peaceful and happy. May I be safe. May I live with ease. Now we can hold in our attention our arms, both arms, and also our hands. Helpful for so many things during the day. May I be strong and healthy. May I be peaceful and happy. May I be safe. May I live with ease. May I be strong and healthy. May I be peaceful and happy. May I be safe. May I live with ease. So just connecting with each phrase as best you can. If some opposite feelings come up, you can try to notice that and let it go and just return again to the practice. Next, we'll connect with the lower part of our body. So we'll start with our hips and our buttocks and groin and genitals, upper part of our legs, 
May I be strong and healthy. May I be peaceful and happy. May I be safe. May I live with ease. May I be strong and healthy. May I be peaceful and happy. May I be safe. May I live with ease. Now we shift now to include our knees, poor long-suffering knees, the lower legs, the calves, the shins, and even the ankles and the feet. May I be strong and healthy. May I be peaceful and happy. May I be safe. May I live with ease. May I be strong and healthy. May I be peaceful and happy. May I be safe. May I live with ease. So now just holding a sense of your whole body. We've gone through bit by bit. Just connecting with the sense of the whole body as it's sitting here breathing. miraculous organism. With so much going on all the time. Part of nature, one of the animals and very worthy of love. May I be strong and healthy. May I be peaceful and happy. May I be safe. May I live with ease. May I be strong and healthy. May I be peaceful and happy. May I be safe. 
May I live with ease. And now having generated the sense of well-wishing for ourselves, we can also extend this to others here. So just as we ourselves are this unique manifestation of life, has never lived before, will never live again, so too are all of the different people here and in fact also all the animals around, those we've seen and those we don't see. So we can share this sense of wishing well with all of them, all of us. May we all be strong and healthy May we all be peaceful and happy. May we all be safe. May we all live with ease. May we all be strong and healthy. May we all be peaceful and happy. May we all be safe. May we all live with ease. So many people spend a lot of energy in their life looking for love from others or trying to find someone who can see them as worthy, as lovable, and can hold them with kindness. And the secret that you have learned today is that you yourself are actually a possible unending fountain of this kindness, this well-wishing, So you have the possibility of connecting with that, this sense of blessing for yourself and for others. And that gives actually tremendous freedom from having to find someone and script them into telling you all these things uh, as you need them. It's actually... uh, beautiful part of all of our hearts when we clear away the other things that obstruct it. So it's really a great, uh, wonderful practice to do. This is just one form of it that uh, taught today.
We'll do another uh, form also tomorrow evening. And it also is something that you could actually uh, quietly do for other people, not just yourself, but for others. So even uh, people who you are standing in line with or uh, people who you're sitting on the patio with. So this is like quiet uh, stealth metta you can send well-wishing to them. And also you can include the animals around too, for sure. So take a little time if you have any questions, either about um, this practice that we just did or even also about experiences that you've had in the practice so far today. So anything that's been something you're struggling with or um, confusion about the instructions. So I'll try to keep it particularly around the, the practices that we're doing here. So does anyone have anything that you'd like to ask? Dharma speaker is going to answer this question. <laughs> so the question is um, about judgment of self and other, and how is being aware of it um, uh, having a, an impact, fostering change or the abandonment of it? So how does that work? Here I'm going to repeat the exact words, more or less, that I said this afternoon. But let's see if I can find other words. So Anushka talked earlier about like the two ways to relate to thoughts. That one where we're lost in them, we're part of them, where um, one word that we use is identified with them. So, or the way I understand it is that they're taken. Um, uh, mistakenly as facts about reality, you know, and when they're actually um, maybe more colored by states of mind, you know, the thoughts, the states of mind that we have are coloring. If, I, if um, there's a little greed in my mind, something might look more desirable than it actually is. And when I get it after and the greed goes away, it's like, well, you know, it was not so desirable, but it appeared like this, you know. And so when there is a, in the mind some latent, let's say, hatred, then it might kind of kidnap the senses and project onto objects things that are hateable. Or do you see what I mean? So the senses can be used, and that's what we're learning to do here, in a very noble way. 
very, very beautiful way to liberate the mind and heart. You can use the senses, that's the doorway to uh, life. We can use the senses to see more accurately what is going on, you know. But too often the senses are um, just radar for desire to grasp at something or hatred to opinion to latch at something, you know. And so to become aware of this, that this is happening, you know, that my, if I wake up and I'm a little grumpy and I get in the dining hall for the breakfast, maybe the grumpiness will have an impact on how I perceive how people are uh, serving their breakfast, you know. <laughs> and so becoming aware of it, I might um, become, start to have some doubt with practice about the, is it real, real or is it just a kind of a perception of reality. So I don't believe my thoughts so much. I just, oh, so for me, a lot of what happens in this practice is that I put um, uh, perception back in its place. I start to understand that, oh, perception is just that, a perception, a certain angle on reality. It's not reality. It's an angle on it. And so I can relax into this. And so, you know, if somebody appears and they have the feature of somebody that I had conflicted with in the past, and I just say, oh, this type of person, I know that kind of person. If I have a little awareness going, I'm like, hmm, let's see, you know, keep it open a little bit, you know, and just own also, become a, an owner of my reactivity and my reaction instead of thinking that it's the world, you know. It's like, oh, impatience tells me this, you know. Kindness tells me this. Oh, I want to cultivate that vision, you know, because it brings more ease in me. So. You can, I think you can notice also um, when we start to pay attention to thoughts, um, how much of it is kind of like uh, patterns, conditioned patterns, we could say. So it's like... Um, uh, downloads one has received from some source <laughs> that just plays out in different ways. So example is like around judgment. So say around judgment of one's body or something. So, you know, from years of studying magazines and watching TV and different things, you know, you get these messages like what you're supposed to look like, right? And then those messages will play back of like, oh, you're too this and you're not enough this and you're this, right? Uh, and so because we don't have the wise understanding about thought and we believe all of the thoughts, then we suffer from that. But if we could start to see that as, uh, you know, it's kind of like if, if there was a TV channel that was just playing that or like a radio playing that, you'd be like, oh, what is this station? Like, I don't want to listen to that, right? <laughs> uh, like, oh, that's just a th- thing that's being played, right? And... Um, it's, it's funny because there's many similar downloads that people get, right? So, uh, for example, women get certain one about body image. It's like we all get that, you know, plugged in, right? And depending how old you are, sometimes it's like a tape if it's older. Right? Um, but it's, it's the same. It's not true. You know, it's just like some thing that plays over and over, right? Or then men will get a different one, say, conditioning regarding um, you have to be strong, you shouldn't cry, you shouldn't be sad, right? Something like that. Like, real men don't cry, something like that, right? So if you're sad, then it's like, oh, you have to push that away. You can't be like that. 
So then that plays out or something like that. So once you start to pick up on this, you can notice these things are just these patterns. And a lot of them also, if you can notice underneath of them, like what is the mind state that's driving that? You know, uh, And if it's a mind state that's actually of hatred, fear, anger, delusion, then uh, it's not such a good channel to be tuning into. Right? <laughs> it doesn't lead to good places. So... Uh, so sometimes just from seeing through thought like that, you could let it go. So sometimes just by seeing it's just judgment, you can let it go. Sometimes, though, you can't. And then you actually have to connect with and feel the pain of that. You know, There are a lot of unhelpful patterns that we continue to play out because we're not paying enough attention to see how they're actually very painful. You know, we're not like actually connected to the way in which they're like viscerally uh, damaging and harmful. So we don't, we're not tuned into this level of, um, of thought and mind states as uh, the way that it's very important uh, to tune into them. So I think it's like, you know, with, with little kids, like um, um, babies will pick up anything and put it in their mouth. Right? Um, and you have to really watch them because most of the things they put in their mouth are not edible. You know, like they'll put, pick up like rocks and toys and worms, like, you know, they're very indiscriminate, right? <laughs> Occasionally they'll pick up something edible, but mostly not, right? But then slowly they get trained uh, to what's edible, what's not edible. And then, you know, after a certain age, like, you don't have to watch them as much. They get the, get the hang of it. Uh, so actually it's like that with the mind. Like, we have all these different thoughts and mind states going through the mind, but uh, the untrained mind is like this child that keeps picking up things and putting them out. Like, we'll just consume any thought that comes through not knowing like oh this is good for me this is not good for me this is edible this is inedible so part of the practice is actually starting to discern this uh, you know learn the taste of the rock or the worm right so it's, it's actually much more uh, subtle thing so it helps to be in this kind of lab center to start to notice like oh what is it like this kind of like hating judgment thought you know, what's the flavor of that? Is that edible or inedible? Is that something that I want to consume, not consume? So then we start to learn how to read those, you know, in the body, in the mind. Um, so through that also it's helpful in uh, learning freedom from that, I think. Yeah. Uh, as I was sitting through the day, uh, I was watching my breath go in and out. In some traditions, point I wasn't sure what was the difference between that and observing sensation. In some traditions it's called vipassana. So if you could clarify at what point does one use anapana and other points what what point does one use vipassana? Or are they one and the same? So if you want you can so uh, so anapana is like kind of a subset of a it's a technique of vipassana. Uh, and all these are within the, the realm of the teachings of the Buddha. So the, the breath is one particular um, object of meditation that was recommended uh, as a helpful one. And the breath is helpful, one, because you're always breathing, so it's always present there as a way to connect the attention. Also, it does connect us to the body, uh, which is helpful for most people uh, as a good training to connect with the body. 
And then the vipassana insight is actually this uh, seeing into the nature of things. Uh, and it includes actually this anapana. So actually in just paying attention to the breath, you can see all the different dimensions uh, that are needed in order to have insight into the nature of things. So for example, you can see that the breath is not just one thing. So as you pay attention to it, it's constantly changing. The sensations are constantly changing. So conceptually there's the breath, but in actuality there's nothing stable or static there. So that's noticing change. And then you can notice also how it just comes on its own. You know, Like the breath itself is just arising and passing away. The body is just breathing. There's actually no me behind it. Uh, in fact, um, one of my colleagues says, you know, if, who's more scientifically oriented, even if you try to stop breathing, if you try to hold your breath, then you'll pass out and your body will continue to breathe. <laughs> you know, it's like there's just it's just happening in this uh, in this way. So there's no me doing it. So just noticing the selflessness also of this process, which actually is true of all processes. And then dukkha, you can notice this the the uh, sort of unsatisfactoriness the. Uh, in a, a variety of ways. So including notice that you can notice your relationship to the breath. So that being with it in this way or when we're leaning or when we're pushing away like this. But there's also something very profound about connecting with the breath as life. You know, it's like, yeah, there are specific conditions needed to be alive, including breathing. You know, So the breath and, and anapana is a, a part of vipassana, uh, specific technique of that. Uh, so for many people that's helpful and here we've offered also paying attention to the whole body as a possibility uh, and sort of a more open kind of stance. But if you find the breath a very helpful object to attend to, then that's great. You can stick with that too. I'm not a psychotherapist, so <laughs> and I didn't study that that so so much. So, but what I would uh, s- it's funny that you speak, you talk, you ask this question about what's the difference between, uh, uh, or is the is it the same thing, psychotherapy and uh, insight meditation? And uh, the way uh, Anushka just answer answered the question about anapanasati is um, the last part of her answer was very much pointing towards the difference between uh, psychotherapy and, uh, and um, insight meditation. So some of the difference that I see is that in, um, in insight meditation, we're very attentive to what is happening now. So there's not so much of uh, associations of mind, of memories and things. We don't analyze things in terms of history or bi- biography. We're just attending to what is here, the quality of the mind maybe here, if it's the mind that we're aware of, or the quality of the body, what's happening. And um, the insight is these three characteristics. I don't know if you noticed this, but maybe we'll go through them again just to... So the three characteristics that um, Anushka just mentioned in passing are at the very center of this, um, of this practice. So some things and you won't hear about this in psychotherapy. So that's the difference you'll see is, is pretty much there. So some things are small, some things are big, 
Some things are blue, some things red, some things subtle, subtle, other obvious. Some things are thought, others are smelt. Some are tasted, some we like, some we don't like. You see, every little phenomena has uh, specific characteristics to them. But there is, uh, all phenomena have also the three same characteristics. And in practice, as we develop practice, we get closer and closer to that. So every phenomena, be it heard, thought of, seen in the past, in the future, all events or phenomena, experiences of our lives will have in common the fact that they're changing, fluctuating. They'll have in common the, um, uh, the fact that they can't be owned. It's not possible to own, like ultimately, to own a car. You know, you can own a car, but at some point, <laughs> you know, it might get destroyed, it might get stolen, you might, you know, you know what I mean? Like ultimately own, like really, can you really own metal? On a conventional way, yeah. But, or can you own really the sensations in your feet that are gone now, replaced by new sensations? Can you own really, totally, the mind state that comes in your mind, generosity? No, because at some point, whoops, it's gone. Yeah? So you can't own really deeply anything. That is not easy to see. But in this practice, that's what slowly we're starting to um, become aware of. And so everything is changing. Nothing is possible to be owned or totally identify. Nothing is really us, ultimately, because it's changing. And then the last thing, whoa. the last thing is nothing of these things heard, smelled from the six senses, the, the contact with the six senses, can be satisfying, ultimately, in a durable way. There's nothing that can be totally satisfying of the world of experience. And this one has to see for themselves in experience. Sunset, gone, cannot provide ultimate happiness. Smell, amazing smell, never smelt before, passes at some point. Cannot provide. The mate, the children, the job, cannot provide ultimate durable happiness. It's not a possibility. So in this practice, we come closer and closer to that level of reality and make peace with that. And that's a lot of the freedom we find is with that, knowing that nothing is absolutely going to provide, be totally owned forever, and will stay permanent when we want it. This is the difference with psychotherapy, I think, or certainly one of them. Yeah, I think that there can be some amount of uh, psychological insight one can have through the meditation of awareness just because you're tuning in more so you can notice different patterns and things. And that is helpful. You know, it's not to uh, say that's not helpful, but then there is this other level of seeing reality that is super helpful, let's say. <laughs> and today, maybe uh, from the way I presented the talk this afternoon was a lot more psychological. I mean, not the sophisticated, the, it was practical uh, and it was around emotions a lot and I didn't get to the so 
making our way there, thanks to Anishkat. So there are many, many times, there are many people who are therapists who like doing Vipassana, and many, there are actually many Vipassana teachers who are also therapists too. So clearly there's some connection and appreciation between them, but this retreat you have an actor and a consultant, so, you know, that's why. <laughs> So the question is about uh, loving-kindness practice and understanding the sense of well-wishing and kindness, but then also what about if one's own boundaries are transgressed or also larger issues of social justice and um, so on, right? Like how do those work to fit together? Yes, yeah, a very good question. This, this um, practice that we did tonight of the loving-kindness is actually one of um, four main practices uh, called the divine abodes or Brahma-viharas, so it's like there's the metta, well-wishing practice. Then if you encounter someone who is suffering, it's like it takes a slight turn towards compassion. It's like just recognizing someone is suffering. It's like, oh, may you be free from suffering. And um, Pascal talked a little bit in his talk about this, just like recognizing, oh, I'm in pain, you're in pain, I'm in pain, it's difficult here. Right? And then if you encounter someone who's already happy, then it's like actually appreciating that happiness, that joy. It's like, oh, okay. May you always be happy. I'm so happy that for you, you know, connecting with your happiness. Right? And then the fourth one, kind of underlying it, is one of equanimity, which is um, related to this, this question very much, I think, which is of recognizing that despite our wishes or our sentiments or our intention, still things play out the way that they play out. So things are the way that they are. So the classical uh, statement of this is... Uh, basically around cause and effect, karma, like all beings are heirs to their own karma. Their happiness and unhappiness depends upon their actions, not upon my wishes for them. So it's recognizing that, yeah, we can have these intentions uh, towards others and even towards ourself, but then the the universe is lawful. There's like cause and effect. Or on a more mundane level, you can say, you know, you can wish well for this person or have this sense towards this person, but then everyone's going to do what they're going to do, basically. Like, they're not under your control. Further signs of the uh, futility of ownership, right? (laughs) Or the idea of ownership, right? Not just of cars, but of people and so on, right? So the the sense of this this metta, this general sense of kindness, is from... uh, both an understanding of like, well, what is actually the skillful thing for my own heart? You know, so, uh, for example, if someone has harmed us, um, is it actually good to uh, cultivate hatred towards them? So that's actually like the opposite of this metta, right? Like, would it actually be skillful, helpful to cultivate hatred, hatred towards them? And actually, this is another one where it's like, when you actually tune into what that's like, the cultivation of hatred, 
uh, you notice that it's actually very toxic to one's own heart, you know, and it actually may have no effect on that other person, in fact. So the Buddha says about this kind of thing, it's like, you know, if we pick up a, a bunch of red-hot burning coals to throw at someone, you know, and we think like, oh, that's going to be good, but then who does it burn first? It's like ourselves. So this sense of, of hatred is, I think of it like the best strategy that the unenlightened mind has for protecting itself, you know, is like fear and hatred. It's like, oh, someone hurt me, so I'm going to try and remember that by hating them. But actually it's possible to, it's challenging, but it's possible to harbor a sense of general well-wishing or at least non-hatred, let's just leave it at non-hatred, right, towards someone, and also remember their pattern of behavior so that everyone is driven by this conditioning kind of thing. And so then choose not to associate with them or choose to you know, distance yourself from this person based on the way that they act. So you could think about it like, um, say there's a porcupine over there, and uh, you could actually wish well for the porcupine, but you don't need to like pick up the porcupine and like you know pet it and cuddle it. Like that's like unwise, right? And it's not you know it's just the way the porcupine is. It's all quilly, and so it wouldn't be a good idea, right? So you can wish well from a distance. Like okay, may you be well, may you be happy, may you find porcupine happiness. You know, just like whatever that is, like. Um, so like that, like people who have destructive patterns towards ourselves and others, um, it's very wise and it's, it's uh, appropriate to keep them at a distance sometimes, right? Um, and then also even for justice, you know, I have uh, engaged in a lot of different activism in my life too, and I feel like, yeah, that's, that can come from different uh, motivations too, and it's good to notice that. Like, what does it feel like when it comes from um, hatred and distress, and what does it feel like when it comes from a sense of like a positive vision for what we want to see, or of compassion, right? And it actually is possible to do a lot of work from more wholesome uh, mind states. And I think actually from the more negative ones, it tends to burn one out and make one bitter. So I can remember um, I've done a lot of um, activism and uh, gay and lesbian civil rights and HIV and I remember at one time meeting someone who was um, when I was I was quite young someone who was like 40 years older than me and he had achieved a lot but I heard this guy speak I was very excited to hear him speak and when he spoke he was like so bitter you know and angry I was like that is not who I want to be when I grow up you know like regardless of the result of what he might have accomplished like I can see how the way he has conducted his life or what his motivations has done to his character. And like, I, I just knew like, oh, that's not who I want to end up being. You know, there's got to be some other way, right? And there is. So then you can see other examples of people who have actually uh, engaged in social change uh, and also paid attention to the heart, uh, the cultivation of heart, the cultivation of qualities that go through that. So we're hearing also about people who are like, you know, their their loved ones have been harmed and then someone asking them like, oh, uh, do you seek revenge? Like, do you hate them, the people who, who killed your loved ones? And uh, they said something like, um, like, no, that would be like cutting off my own arm to do that. You know, like that would be unuseful. And, 
So it's challenging, but just to say, like, it's good to notice, like, what are the motivations in our own heart and how does that make us even effective in the world or not effective, as well as, like, what kind of uh, heart does that lead towards our own cultivation, too. But I think it's very possible to be effective and do a lot of work in the world from these positive mind states, too. So maybe we'll close this session then. So we'll give you a chance to connect again with the silence, with your bodies. So really appreciating our opportunity to be here together to practice and to reflect upon the Dharma, the teachings, to understand for ourselves what it is that leads towards happiness, towards peace, towards connection with the truth. May we all be peaceful and happy. May we all be strong and healthy. May we all be safe. May we all live with ease. chance to practice walking meditation or can move into the night air try and stay connected with your body feel yourself moving through space and then we'll come back again uh, to have our final uh, group session which will include some uh, chanting also uh, at nine o'clock a little so later. I wonder if the person who rings the bell could ring it a little later, otherwise they'll ring in five minutes. Yeah, what time do you want? Maybe nine when we come back. Okay, so the person who rings the bell usually will ring it at ten of nine, so request is if you could actually ring it at, at nine. Is that person here, bell ringer? Yeah, okay, great, thank you. Okay. And we'll end the night with a little uh, chanting together, a short